welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. In the wake of, uh, wow, I mean, the the perfect play-in result for the Raptors in terms of if somebody only watched one Raptors game all season, somewhere else in the world, maybe not even in Canada, maybe not in North America, if you just somehow turn on your television and your computer and you just watched one game of the Toronto Raptors, that would have told you the entire story of the 2022-2023 Toronto Raptors. So Raptors lose. We're in the studio here. Uh, Exit interviews are still taking place. I just scooted over from OVO um, after Pascal spoke, so I'm not sure what happened afterwards. But... uh, Alex, how are you feeling, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, we're gonna so we're gonna talk about the game today, obviously, and then Nick Nurse had some interesting comments at his end of season availability. So we'll get to that in segment two. And as Will mentioned, a lot of the other players spoke too. So we'll have some time tomorrow to to dive into that as well. But yeah, you know, I was thinking too. Um, you know, a lot of casual fans, uh, especially in the U.S., don't really tune into the Raptors un- until the postseason, right? And it's not sometimes, really possible sometimes, yeah, to be honest. We're not on national television. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes deeper in the postseason, like there are a lot of casual fans out there that only know the Raptors this past decade on uh, Lebronto, the Kawhi shot, and the 18 free throws missed last night. Well, I mean, which is a pretty funny franchise plot line. No, our reputation is in the mud. I, 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 I do feel like that. Um, you know, obviously, we, we definitely, after winning the championship, like, had our chests out, and we, we were sort of, like, walking around with this, like, swagger, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, right? Obviously, when you win, when you win. Pull on my chips with the dip. Right? So bring them dips. So, yeah, we were, we were doing that, and and then, you know, since then, I, I just feel like the reputation has obviously slowly gone away, gone away, gone away, and I think last night was just sort of, like, not, like, the ultimate embarrassment. Like, I do think that they did things well, mm-hmm. but, I mean, like, come on. The, the fact that they missed, like... Mm-hmm. 18 free throws, which is the most missed in elimination game since the 60s. Okay. Yep, since the 1969 we finals. The, we talking about the Reagan era? Is that even Reagan? That's that's before Reagan. This that's not f- the Nixon era? Are we talking about Nixon? <laughs> the, about JFK? We're talking presidents? Um, no. This is oh the first goodness. time that an NBA team has missed, um, you know, 18 free throws in full HD color. Yeah. Wow. So uh, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing. That's well, that's well done. A, you know, tip of the cap for you. No, the Raptors season course ended yesterday we're up 19 as well in the third quarter in a a season full of these disappointing losses and i think we've come in here you know week after week running through the list of all the ways that you know they've found ways to lose lose games this season they really saved the most disappointing one for Mm -hmm. for the end like they really did it they were like you mentioned they were up 19 in the the third quarter, you know, yeah. you walked over to me in the booth. You were like, you know, message Amy Audibert. Let's preview this Raptors Heat game on Friday. I was like, you want Jason Jackson as well? Um, we and, said, yeah. And then, then we Z- laughed. And yeah. then Zach Levine said, uh, we don't need any of that. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, yeah, they just fell apart again. Fell apart, missed the free Emotional throws. Emotional damage. No, fell, honestly. <sighs> fell apart in crunch time. Couldn't make a single play on offense when they needed it. Burned out their starters. You know, every starter played at least 37 minutes. And Jakob would have hit 40 if he didn't get benched at the end. Uh, no bench support at all. And Literally all no them. bench support at all. No bench like, support at all. None. And, and they went on to lose 109 to 105. No, speaking, <clears throat> let, let me just read out this uh, bench oh. from last night. All right, fine, go uh, ahead. Gary Trent Jr., potentially heading to free agency. One of seven in 17 minutes. Did not hit a three. Precious Achua, six points in nine minutes, a minus nine. 
Chris Boucher played seven minutes, zero points, one rebound. Will Barton came in for two minutes there in the second quarter. And uh, I would also add, you know, the two big signings and re-signings this offseason was, you know, Otto Porter was a big signing. You know, he ended up being just a disastrous move. Um, you know, missed the majority of the season. I think he was at home wiggling his toes and laughing. Oh, God. And Thad Young, too, right? Like, yep, Thad Young, yep, the team yep. traded for him, brought him back this season, mm-hmm. and ended the season with a with a string of DMPs. It was it was really everything that we've talked about about the Raptors this season. Like, it just all came to the forefront. You got to do better, fam. No, like, all that's... That, I mean, again, it, it it's amazing how one game can really accurately depict all the trends that we've been covering on this show for, like, months, mm-hmm. right? When you look back on the season, up. you might say, like, Okay, who was the best player? It was Pascal Siakam. Mm. You look at the game last night, Pascal was was excellent. Excellent. Obviously, the two missed free throws at the end there um, were devastating. But on, on the balance of the game, he was amazing. Like, really, really amazing, right? And then you saw moments of good from Fred, but then you saw moments of just, like, terrible from Fred, especially offensively. Um, you saw the in-and-out offense that involved OG and Scotty. And the times where they were able to capitalize and the times where they weren't. We saw the lack of a bench, right? We saw the fact that the Raptors' defensive schemes eventually got solved, right? We saw that the Raptors in the fourth quarter collapsed. I mean, we did entire episodes on the Raptors in the fourth quarter and their issues. And we went through every single loss and we highlighted it. And you can go back through the archives. And, of course, what happens here, it's the exact same thing, right? And I, I do think it's 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 kind of... It's really poetic how all that came together. And, um, of course, you might say that the Raptors did play well enough to to win a game like that. Um, you, you Obviously, the Raptors missing 18 free throws is very uncharacteristic. The Raptors are not an elite free throw shooting team, but they're a regular free throw shooting team. They shoot, what, 78% on the season? You make 78% of your free throws, you, you win this game, right? Obviously, the game doesn't work like that, um, especially in hindsight, but, like, that's a huge portion. You did play well enough. Getting to the foul line is like the second best thing you could do on offense outside of dunking the ball. Um, so you, you did do that. Your defense was good for the first three quarters, but then, you know, the problems start to show up. And I think defensively, it's disappointing when you watch back on some of those highlights. And, and for me, uh, personally, I haven't been able to, to bring myself up to do it. Also, like media availability was at 10 a.m. So I literally was at Scotiabank. We cried about this, went home. Got woke up, got back on that scooter, went back to OVO. Like, I, you know, so that's the grind. So I And I went straight from there to here. So I literally even had time to watch back on it. But when I look through my notes, it's just Zach Levine beating his man at the point of attack and no help coming. And I think there's two issues with that. Number one, obviously Zach is a very good driver. And obviously Zach decided in this game, I'm going to not use the jumper as much, right? He did make some jumpers down the stretch, but primarily the damage he did was going downhill. The Raptors' defense all season, we've talked about it, the pressure at the point of attack extended out as high as possible, always, always pressing up. I'm not saying you got to guard them like Westbrook or guard them like Rondo, but you eventually when you see the guy's approach is that they're going to attack downhill. You have to give him a little bit of a gap, allow him to drive into you a little bit, cut off his momentum, and then direct him towards help. The point of attack defense of the Raptors all season has been twisted and backwards for me. It's so much gambling. It's so much like pressing up on guys, and it invites blow-bys for everybody. That's why when you look across the board and you see everyone's, you know, defensive reputation versus the defensive output as a whole, that's a huge portion of it. You give up dribble penetration, that's one of the worst things that you can do in basketball. And then the second thing is the layer of help for the Raptors was just so late. 
Like, I'm sorry, but if, if no, even if you are pressing up at the three-point line, and no matter how athletic Zach Levine is, clearly we know what he can do. Just look back to 2016 in, in Scotiabank Arena at the All-Star Weekend. But if you, someone's getting past the man above the three-point line, you should have all the time in the world to at least close down at the rim. And how many times when you watch back on either the, the Raptors giving up the fouls or the layups to both him and DeMar DeRozan eventually, did the Raptors not have timely help? You know, and, and that's disappointing to me. Like, those are principles of your defense that ultimately cratered. It's not just the fact that we had a 10-year-old girl screeching for free throws, which I do think that, that was an actual element of this game. But I, I think overall, the Raptors also have themselves to blame for not being able to execute their defense. So that's why so much of the talk post, um, post-game and, and also this morning in, in the locker room cleanout was just focusing on hammering out those details. And and do you need to change those systems? Because to me, it's it's... It's proven to be their Achilles heel all season. For a team that is built to play well on defense, they don't actually get stops when they need it. Yeah, no, I think this is a this is a very humbling game and a humbling season, like for the front office, for for the coaching staff, and for the players. Right, like you talk about this attention to detail, you talk about the identity of the team, and and all of this stuff, and you talk about building good habits through eighty two games. Like we saw these bad habits over and over again that just weren't fixed and you just couldn't go into a game 83 and expect any different result than you saw the previous four months Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think the most disappointing thing for me from yesterday and like all due respect to to zach levine who was incredible yesterday yeah no doubt the bulls aren't even a good team (laughs) no the bulls are not a good team you know you walk you walk into philly and you let them shoot 77 percent. okay like i have an issue with that but philly's a great team Boston, even without all their players, you know, you get blown up by them in Boston. I'm okay with that because that's a different level of team, right? The Raptors like to fancy themselves coming into this playing tournament as equals to a Chicago, to a Miami, to Atlanta. And what they show last night is that they were not even at that level. Like this would have, they would have been exposed at any point, whether it was, whether it was yesterday, which they did, Mm -hmm. or if they won yesterday, they would have gone exposed maybe on Friday in Miami. They definitely got, would have gone exposed in Milwaukee. Like it wasn't even about the opponent yesterday. Like it wasn't about the opponent, no matter who you played, the fourth quarter breakdowns are the fourth quarter breakdowns. The roster flaws are the roster flaws. And I think we talked about this at the trade deadline, and we're going to talk about this now because the season is over. Like the whole organization really needs to take a hard look. And everything. And yeah. you talk about the players too. Like the players have all this self-belief and then they always will have this self-belief about how far they can go as a group. But you look at you look at everything last night. Like Fred shot, shot selection in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Um, you look at Scotty. You know, there were times when he could have been aggressive in the fourth quarter. And, and listen, this is a second-year player, but I think we need to be honest too that he's at a particular level in his development curve right now. Like there's a lot that he needs to add to his offensive game. Because what is Scotty's go-to move? Like, if you are counting on Scotty in these fourth-quarter situations, like, what is his role on the floor? And you look at Gary coming off the bench, right? You look at OG wanting a bigger role. Like, I got to see better than this, right? Like, mm-hmm. we need to see more consistency on that level. So I think it's very humbling for the players, too, like, talking about the offseason. Like, you got to come back as better players, too, if you really believe that this core group can work moving forward. Yeah, and, and look, at the end of the day, like, the Raptors' talent level isn't so high that they can just, like, get away with mistakes. Mm-hmm. The Raptors are fundamentally a team with the way they're built right now. They have to play very hard, and they have to play very together, and they have to limit their mistakes. That's the only way they're going to get results. Obviously, there's a ceiling, and we were going to hit that ceiling whether it was 
yesterday, whether it was going to be tomorrow, whether it was going to be in the first round. But that was it. We knew there's a clearly defined ceiling, right? But the fact that they, they, they tripped over even the first hurdle of that, I think, is very telling. And, yeah, I mean, I, I do think of the plane. First off, the plane has to be a huge success. It was, it, was a, it was actually just a very entertaining game, period. Yeah, congrats congrats to the uh, NBA League office. No, no, the no plane I, has I know been Adam great. Silver is just high-fiving right I, now. I know, I know the Mavericks are getting FOMO for taking out of this. Oh, man. <laughs> Luca's like, yo, I could have done this. <laughs> Luca's like, I could have lost to a 10-year-old girl screaming on free throws. Um, no, but, like, I, I think the playing tournament has really given a, a chance to sort of get excited for the playoffs and obviously, like, put these, like, gun-to-your-head moments, right? Mm-hmm. And so rarely do you see that. And I do think that when those moments happen, this is what I was saying on the show yesterday, I really wanted to see them come out in this game because you can really see who they are. And turns out we knew exactly who they were, right? Like, this is who they are. And, you know, I was thinking about it in terms of just the playing tournament as sort of like a bailout, sort of like a redemption. Like, yes, you you screwed up on the season, but here's this, like, one last chance. Mm-hmm. Like, typically, for example, in the regular playoffs, uh, you know, format, it's one to eight, and then you go into the playoffs. Raptors wouldn't even have made the playoffs. Just yeah. like they didn't make it here, right? But they had to play in tournament, which actually worked in their favor to try to win their way in, and they just couldn't do it. And to me, it's disappointing because it's not that I don't think they can do it. It's not like I don't think this team can beat the Chicago Bulls. They were beating them for a, the better part of three quarters, and they were playing really good basketball to do it. And so what are the reasons that sort of came apart? Defensively, I thought that was a bigger concern. But even offensively, I did think that they got out of rhythm, and you know, I, I thought they weren't playing together as much, and... Again, these are all themes that we highlighted throughout the season. And so all that, plus the the, the free throws, I mean, do we want to quickly talk about that? Yeah, we'll get to the free throws. We will? Um, okay. I, I do want to stick stick on them, just just the disappointment of the gotcha, season, gotcha. you know? Cause you like, know I, by the way, I enjoy typically on this show, mm. the dynamic is I'm the Asian dad. <laughs> but now you, the Raptors have played so poorly and disappointed you so greatly yeah. that you have also become the Asian dad. Like I said, man. This is tough. No one I, should have two Asian dads. You know, I like, just, <laughs> try to tell Raptors PR this too, you know? Nobody wants to be a bigger cheerleader of the team than myself. Uh-huh. But also, you know, I got I got to recoup some of my credibility too. I got to be honest, you know? Like when the team is not good, like, you know? Like I can't be sitting here and like drawing out all the positives today. Like I mean, the the season no has the season has been the season, and and I don't think people want to listen to us if we're coming in here and trying to make excuses for this team. No, I don't think we ever really do. Right? By the way, um, I think we you know like there's reason to be optimistic about the team, yeah. and depending on how they show it, yeah. you can come in with that. But also at the same time, last night was very clear. Like it's it's really gone through your head, mm-hmm. win or go home, and the Raptors went home. No, listen, my thing is like thinking about it today. And like, I don't know, I guess I, I did become you yesterday. Like I was having trouble sleeping last night, just thinking back on the season. Yeah. And for me, it's just like, I was, I'm more disappointed in games one to games, uh, game one to 82 than last night's game. Sure. Really, yeah. really. Cause it's like, cause it's like, you look at the whole body of work, right? Like, mm-hmm. y- like, like we've said, like yesterday's result was going to happen at some point. And I'm just more disappointed that this team came into the season with with these expectations and we looked at these uh, kind of individual areas where they could grow in as a team and as individual players and, like, none of it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm like, not mad. Like, none, none of it. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, and none of it happened. I was looking over the, the season, too. You know, the Raptors were a season high two games over 500 this season on three occasions. A, a season high? Five two? and three, seven oh and five, God. 11 and nine. And then during wow. the season, they had wow. one single win streak, more than three games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a single four-game win streak. That's right. Um, I wonder if you could name me the teams. If you could even name me one of these four teams. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, they beat Detroit. Yep. Twice? Yeah, so Detroit, <laughs> Orlando, New Orleans, and then yeah, Detroit. Yeah, 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 I remember. This so that was after their, Yak got here. Yeah. That was their only four-game win yeah. streak. Mm-hmm. And they only had one 
losing streak more than three games. So it was a six-game losing streak in December. Yeah. So basically, the Raptors were a 500 team the entire season. They basically spent the whole season either winning three straight, losing three straight, or in between. And this was what Fred talked about at the end of last night's game too, right? Like, it was just up and down. Yeah. Up and down all season. Like, they never found any momentum. And we came in here after the trade deadline. I remember we were talking about how, okay, like... Front office has made its decision. Masai's talked about the team being selfish. Like, you don't need to hear about all the outside chatter about trade rumors now. Now you've added Jakob Pertl. Like, now let's go, right? And I don't think we ever saw that. who's ever said that? No offense to Jakob Pertl, who I very much enjoy interviewing, (laughs) who I've enjoyed watching on my my favorite team. Mm -hmm. But who has ever said, we've got Jakob Pertl, now let's go? No, but... No one has ever said uh, that. Do you understand the absurdity of that Um, statement? But my thing to you is, like, when you sit here now today versus sitting here at the trade deadline. Has anything changed for you based on, like, you looking at this team? No, I mean, I, I thought that, like, Yak coming in wasn't going to be the Band-Aid for, this, for all their issues. It was mm-hmm. going to give them a center. It was going to give them different matchup looks. And, you know, having even talked to Bobby about this, you know, when we did our live show, the idea behind it was just so, like, we felt like that was a good price to pay for a guy of his quality, which I don't even necessarily disagree with. But at the same time, I don't think it should have been looked at, and I don't think they looked at it as, like, this is going to solve all our problems, right? They have problems. Their problems existed before Jakob Pertl, and they exist with Jakob Pertl. In fact, last night in, in crunch time, they didn't even play him. Yeah. They went to, they threw, Nick Nurse was so desperate. He threw in Gary Trent Jr. ice cold off the bench to play in a defensive um, uh, matchup. And then it just turns out he was wide open in the corner, and that could have been a redemption for him. You know, that 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 open corner three for Gary could have been the redemption for him, just like the playing game could have been the redemption for the Raptors season. But, of course, he missed it, right? And so, you know, like, that, this is just kind of who they are. And, of course, I think what we're going to do over the course of this program, tomorrow's episode, when we come back over the weekend, on Monday's episode, we're going to break down, like, all that sort of went on with the team and sort of like what their own assessments are going to be. We were at, um, you know, uh, the locker room cleanouts and we heard Fred speak for 30 minutes and, you know, we heard Pascal speak for a long time and we heard Nick talk a lot. And, you know, there's an opportunity, especially at the end of the season. It's not like a regular availability. There's a more, there's more of a transparency and honesty. And of course, everything is sort of available to be discussed in those moments. And so there were hard questions being asked. There's questions being asked about Nick's future. You know, I asked Pascal about why, why, what, what do you think he, you can improve in in the fourth quarter? And what do you think the Raptors need to improve on in the fourth quarter? I asked Fred, point blank, do you feel like you and if Scotty wants to be the point guard, you're the point guard, how do you sort of facilitate that growth? How do you coexist, right? These are hard questions that you don't typically see asked in the course of just like regular media sessions because, again, there's so much game-to-game focus. But, like, we are going to be able to break all this down because I think the biggest question on everybody's mind is where do the Raptors go from here? Like, this was such a, you know, terrible season in terms of being disappointing and being dysfunctional that we really need to break it down because we, no, no, what nobody wants to see, again, is the same thing. No, and I think I think of all people, the players should not, the ones that are coming back should not want to see the same thing. And it's like, it's good, like, all, all the stuff that they talked about at this end of season availability, and we'll get to all of that. But it's like, you know, they spent all season talking about this stuff. Spent all season talking about, you know, extra practices, working on habits, all this stuff. Like, it's it's just time to see it, man. Like, it's got they yeah. got to come back, um, you know, w- with with a brand new approach. But yes, um, you know, the main storyline from the game yesterday, like you mentioned, the Raptors shot seventy eight point four percent from the free throw line mm. during the regular season, and last night they were eighteen of thirty six from the free throw line. 
don't even have a single player I, I can blame on this. I feel like it was just an overall effort. That's how you know <laughs> the that team. there was an external, like yeah, external factor yes. that affected so this. There was a guy a, like Fred, he shoot 90% on foul shots, yeah. and he split all three times he went to the line. So, so I think everybody knows by, by now that it's gone viral that, um, you know, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, DR, was courtside um, sitting with a super fan. And I think you noticed the screaming pretty early on, right? Like How in the could arena. you not? Yeah. You could hear. And here's the thing. It was loud on the broadcast, too. But sometimes mm-hmm. the, the, what you hear in the broadcast is not necessarily what you hear in an arena. And I'm here to tell you, like, you can't. First off, you can't sit further away mm-hmm. from the screaming than where we are. Okay. Yeah, usually in, it's in, just in, Will screaming. In, well, yeah, that's why I'm, we're situated there. So they can't hear me screaming. But, like, the booth is so far up. It's in the 600s. Very few people even sit in the 600s. <laughs> I think you need, like, a Class C, like, box. Like, if you're, like, an organization, but you're not, like, a big one, like, you might be able to sit in one of those boxes A mid-organization to watch a (laughs) mid-team. Right? So we're in one of those, and and, and we can hear from there. No, here's here's the – we have a clip here, a sample of what people heard on the broadcast. So here's a clip. Do do this? All right. Particular game. If he steps the wrong way or something. Visit to Florida State. Ask me, what did you – Patrick said, I was down for whatever Coach Hamilton. Underrated passer, doing a nice job. In terms of the total number or the yeah. quality of shots, I'm, com- I'm comfortable. Tell me life is really good for him right now. He's in a good headspace coming in. So My defense has been sharply lowered. So DeMar was asked about this after the game, and uh-huh. he said that he did hear some screaming during the game and didn't really notice um, until, I think, within the flow of the game that when he looked over that it was his daughter. And, and he did explain afterwards how his daughter ended up uh, at the game yesterday. Here's what DeMar said. You know, it's crazy. Um, my daughter called me the other day um, when she was getting out of school, and she was just, you know, she just said, Dad, can I, can I come to the Toronto game? I remember going to all the Toronto games when she was a kid, and I almost said no because she in school back home. Um, she kept asking. She was just adamant about coming and support, and I just said, right, you, you can miss one day of school and, you know, come to a game, and I'm glad I did. Um, I owe her some money for sure. she coming, Fred? No, she got to go back to school. school oh, no, no, no. Hold so, on, hold on. No, no, no to no. add insult to injury. There's nothing you are learning as a 10-year-old in school that is so necessary <laughs> that you are now going to miss. The- no, if you're going to influence no. the play-in, please influence no, the next D-R- play-in. No, DeRosa needs to learn. Well, is calculus too early for 10-year-old? Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, okay relax, she- Asian dad. <laughs> no, you, no one's ever been more Asian than that. That's even. My um, goodness. She's, so, uh, reportedly, she's not going to... <laughs> To, that's uh, not fair. Miami. That's so, not fair. You know, who, who's not Bacha out there? Like, we there was, <laughs> get her some tickets. So there was a lot of avid, like, uh, investigative uh, journalism that was taking place during the broadcast yesterday. So as everybody knows, Pascal drew the foul late in the game, went to the free throw line, had three to tie the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He makes the first one. Yep. There was screaming on the first one. Yep. And then apparently DR faked him out and didn't scream on the second one, which he missed. Yo. And then she brought the screaming back on the third. It is actually an ingenious ploy. Like, this is exactly right up my alley. You don't understand. Like, as the game was going on, even when the Raptors are up 15, up 19 or whatever, and you guys were all chilling in the booth, I'm, like, really intensely locked into every possession. Mm. I'm even tweeting out ideas with maybe the potential hope that Game Op somehow sees this in some way. But, like, and I talked about this in the postgame show. There's been this thing that's been done all year long for, for I'm assuming, way back to when the franchise Since first the very started. beginning. Since yeah. the very beginning. It's been sort of done with Herbie Kuhn, the in-arena announcer, where he will say, Pascal Siakam, going to the line, shooting too. And the whole idea is, obviously, there's tons of noise. There's all sorts of loudness or whatever. 
but everyone's supposed to just just go silent as they go f- shoot free throws. I've always thought that would be a little bit eerie for me personally. But again, obviously, I'm not you know anywhere close to those kind of scenarios. However, when you bake it so silent, then it makes the screech even more effective, right? Because at, at least if there was noise in the background, if like for some reason we started just chanting MVP. That's even more distracting. No, no, no I, don't, I don't think so. Because uh, at least then you won't hear this piercing like hawk come through the air. I'm helping my swap. guy. I'm helping my guy Herbie beat these allegations. I, I'm just I, saying. I, don't I, I, I really do think we should reevaluate that portion. I also think that look, honestly, this whole thing and how ridiculous it's become. The, even the reaction, people are saying like, "We got to toss her out," or "This is got to be banned." Also, so, like that's so ridiculous. I think this whole thing, exactly right. I, I think this whole scenario reminded me of just like fundamentally sports is a children's game that adults play for for yeah. serious money that adults and, and lose other adults sleep over get yeah. mad about and lose sleep over yeah. and lose money over um this is a children's game <laughs> <laughs> at the end that of the day conclusion at the end of and the season exactly how this is you child's explain play this? you know i was explaining this to my partner this morning as i as i woke up to like go back on my scooter to ovo and i had like two minutes to explain what happened last night and i was just like here look at this clip and, like, she was just laughing, you know, her head off yeah. over this whole no, this idea. Is, because this, is, this is really just a game at the end of the day. Like, this is what you would do in, no. in grade five when you are playing for, like, lunch money. Like, you would be doing this. So, honestly, all due respect to to DeMar's to family, man. That was that was actually, it's, it's very memorable. It's very memorable what happened. Yeah, I will say, too, like, you know, Herbie doing this shush, like, um, at the very beginning, it was because, you know, basketball was new to a huge audience here. Yeah. Back when the the team started, and that was like a prompt to make sure that they weren't cheering. Okay, like like during the thing. You so, think we got it after thirty years? Yeah, Yo, you know what? Some people might still need to be educated. I, oh, I'm team I, Herbie I, on this one. Yeah. Mm, I'm team I, Herbie, but I get it. Listen, but listen. Ultimately, no. Ultimately, you the don't players wanna, have to make the free throws. Like, there's make, no excuses. Just make it your really free is. throws. Like, uh, you know, Fred and Pascal. Both were asked um, about the screaming. And, they were and both, asked about it today. Yeah, they, they're very... Imagine uh, well, cleaning out your locker for the whole season after being disappointed in the play-in and people yeah. are just being like, yo, that 10-year-old girl, did she, did she, did she cause you to lose? Well, like, man, y- yesterday, tough, man. Yesterday, they, they, they both said, you know, Pascal specifically said that he didn't really hear it. Scotty was asked about it today and mm. he said, quote, for sure, it was quiet in the gym. She was yelling. I was trying to figure out who it was. I don't know if it really had an effect uh, we went 18 for 36, so it had to have an effect somewhat. She she did a great job. I think the biggest conclusion from this is just it's just, just make your free throws. Make yeah. your free throws. This is a non-story. But again, this is why this is the thing. Thinking back the morning after is kind of so funny because oh, you have to understand, like organizations put so much yes. effort and intensity into getting any possible edge, right? We're talking about, like, they've renovated the entire OVO facility to put Mm -hmm. in those TVs and those giant monitors with the sophisticated, like, tracking system that I think used to be used in some sort of warfare, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they use, like, a weapons technology to get the tracking of the arc of the ball, and Mm -hmm. they have all the sport view data, and they have, like, hundreds of people employed. They get paid millions of dollars. These guys work out a ton, and, and they spend so much effort. And the whole idea is to gain any marginal advantage because of how competitive this whole game is. And one 10-year-old girl sitting courtside screaming would te- like very likely swung a whole playing game. Again, this is why you have to sometimes sit back and laugh. Like, it really is a joke. Life game. is really good for Oh, no, my right God. I'm, really I'm, good. I'm, I'm literally hearing this in my nightmares, man. No, we also need to pull the, uh, the clip probably for another show of you imitating uh, the, the oh, screech on, that's on the react button. It was so I'm funny. I'm also very, very, like... Um, <laughs> 
competitive. So eventually, when the Bulls were thrown to the free throw line, I started screeching from the 600 level in, in, in hopes of, of potentially influencing Zach Levine and his oh. foul shots. Oh, so that, Unfortunately, oh, that I wasn't was sitting you. courtside. Okay, that was you. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was uh, Joe no, Wolf I, I, on I, you know, You know, I'm insane about this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, this I'm, is exactly the type of deviousness that I would come up with. But, I'm, I'm well aware, man. Yeah. I need a mood check every time I come to the office. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, you're right. So maybe instead of the Noah scoreboard, should they put in the DR system? So then when they're uh, practicing free throws you know at OVO, you hear I'm, a little scream. I'm not even kidding. Like, I think this should scream. happen because here's the thing, like, especially because it was such a big story and it was obviously on ESPN and it was it was a huge deal. Um, I think more teams are going to do this. I don't think so. You don't I think, think so? this is a one off thing. Don't so, you, remember so you when, think just when, a random fan is going to like pull this? You remember when Giannis was playing the Heat and they started... The I countdown. think Karan Butler started counting down, right? Yeah. Just to get the 10-second violation, Yeah. right? And then what happened every single time Giannis went to a different building? They were, they were, they count, were counting right? it down. So, like, why not? I mean, we'll see how long the Bulls are in the playoffs, but I, I do see more replicants of this going on. Well, That's I just, just how it is. You today. know when it's going to end? When someone tries to do this and, yeah. the, and the team makes 21 of 22 free throws and it'll just end. Like, sure. if, 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 if a team is missing 18 free throws every time because of a fan screeching... Then sure. But again, like you, you have to understand the <laughs> amount of money and investment and time and energy that yeah. gets put into all this. <laughs> and for this to be the, no, the game changing fact. Like the Raptors lost this game ultimately by two points. They were yep. intentionally fouling at the end. So for so that flipped it to four in the final <laughs> advantage. But they lost this game by two points. No, this is two the type. Is, is huge. It's monumental. This we could is... be here tomorrow, be, uh, today, in an alternate lot timeline with no mm. screeching and just being like, hey, that was great. Let's go take on the, take down the Miami Heat. Let's call out Jason Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. Now we're having this self-reflective talk. And it, again, it's because we're playing, a, we're analyzing a children's game at the end of the day. Like, it is kind of absurd, the whole thing. So, this is um, Man. this is the type of story that's going to go beyond the sports crowd. Like, like it's so viral that, like, people who don't follow basketball are going to hear about it. No, this. man. Like, this is yeah. a huge story. Bro, um, if, if I go to Ramson, like, after work today and go play <laughs> basketball outside... Like, someone's going to be screeching at me. I guarantee you. Life is really good oh for him right God. now. He's in a good... The worst drop ever, man. Derek. I, this is probably what Derek's life is normally because he has like three or four kids at home. I mean, imagine he hears... This, yeah, he's nodding his head right now. That's he's I mean. like, if you, can't, if you can't deal with screeching, then, you know... Never have kids. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we take the break. Um, so, uh, Mike Roach, um, who uh, hosts the podcast Hustle yeah. Play yeah, with uh, Chris Boucher. So, he, he tweeted out he was in the tunnel yesterday after the game. And um, he tweeted out, he saw Pat Bev shout, basically, I knew this team was trash when he was walking off the floor. Mm -hmm. And um, it was with an earshot of Bobby Webster, um, who was also in the tunnel. Um, he just wanted to clarify, because this has been another kind of moment that's gone viral, that Pat Bev didn't say that directly to Bobby. Like, Bobby just happened to be within earshot. Okay. Like, he was just running down the tunnel and screaming for everyone to hear. Yeah. Here's something I've, I've really begun to notice. Yeah. Um, when people want to criticize management, somehow people are blaming Bobby. I'm sorry. If you don't even know what Bobby does, why are you blaming him? I, I know it's because you guys love Masai more, okay? Like, uh, if the buck stops with Masai, but somehow we're going to slander Bobby on every opportunity, I'm sorry. Obviously, we we, we like Bobby. We're, we, we have a closer relationship to Bobby than Masai, but this ain't fair, man. It really isn't fair. Yeah, we'll you guys do don't a, even know how this thing breaks down. We'll do a Masai Bobby thing at some point. If you're right? mad at the man, management, like, mad, be mad at the top man. Like, you know what I mean? If you're mad at the Raptors show, are you going to be mad at me or Alex? That's right. You know that's, what I mean? That's why like, I got the best job in the come city. Come at me, man. Yeah. That's so, why I got the best this, job in this, the city. This stuff is silly, Please man. don't get mad at me, Listen, man. I'm oh, harmless. The, the, yeah. the funniest thing, by the way, before we go to break, and the last thing about this, <laughs> the screaming. Yeah. So typically what I would do is I'm on the booth, I do the post-game show, and then I just go home. Okay. Because it was the last day of the season thing, I, I, I came down to a vet level 
to come see the rest of you guys, maybe see the rest of the press conferences. Typically, they're already over as I'm already recording, so there's no point in doing this. But I chose to come down, and I came down that event elevator. I walked through that tunnel in the back, past the team buses, and the first person I see as I round the, the bend is Dr. DeRose. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was just there with, like, some other Bulls players, and, uh, and I think Thad Young came over to say hi because obviously he was with the Bulls and stuff like that. But I, the first thing I saw was her in that jacket, and I was like, oh, man, I'm down so no, bad. No, you should have told her. I was her. so shook, man. I'm you should have told her. I wasn't familiar with your game. I should have screamed. I, honestly, I should have screeched at her, man. I'm sorry. Last thing, uh, do you think Pat Bev even knows who Bobby is? Like, I don't think. No, of course he knows who Bobby is, man. You think so? Me? You think players recognize, like, general managers like that, though? Yes. Really? How many general managers do you think you could recognize if I put up 30 faces right now? Who's the general manager on Memphis? Uh, Zach Kleiman? <laughs> oh, damn it. I think you got that right. Yeah. All right, fine. Yeah. Who's the but general manager in Sacramento? Monty McNair. <laughs> He's been talked about a lot this year. That's not fair. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Who's the general manager in Charlotte? It's not Don't, Rich you can't, Cho say, you, you can't say MJ. <laughs> Yo, Rich Cho? Rich Cho, let's do the Fung Bro show, man. The three of us. We can make this happen. He had a food blog. Everybody good, should man. check that out. He's one of those other guys that has a head like an egg. Yeah. Anyway, so. He's got, he's got a hard Jim Boylan. Oh, man. God, as you're fired up the again. Boylan egg. Gotta take a break when we come back. Some clips from Nick Nurse's end of season availability, and we'll chat about that. Yeah. Okay. We are going to take that break. Uh, I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. I continue to be joined by co-host and producer Alex Wong. We will get to more conversations about Nick Nurse's future because he addressed them at uh, Locker Room Cleanout um, earlier today. I was there to uh, witness some of the exchanges so I can provide some context as well. But first, you want to quiz me on who are the 30 general managers in the league because you're convinced. You were coming in real arrogant. Being like, yeah, I know all the general managers. Okay. So this is sorted in alphabetical order, if that helps you. No, we're not going to go through all 30 teams. Uh, It'll be quick. Okay. Denver Nuggets. Calvin Booth. Goddamn. Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Why am I blanking on this? Uh, Daryl Murray, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Indiana Pacers. Uh, Is that still Kevin Pritchard? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this list is not updated. I'm just going to give you like 10. Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Joe Cronin. Oh man, you do know. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta Hawks. Landry Fields. Yeah, Orlando yeah. Magic. Um, Jeff Waltman. Yeah. By the way, Charlotte Hornets was Mitch Kupchak, I believe someone in right, the YouTube right, chat. Of course, of course. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Why am I blanking on this? Oh, David Griffin. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Washington Wizards. Uh, Tommy Shepard. Damn, man. Detroit Pistons. Well, is it now Dwayne Casey? I yeah, guess? but before. Let's say before that. Uh, who was managing the Pistons? Why am I blanking on this? Oh, God. 
Oh, you missed one. It's yeah. Troy Weaver. Troy Weaver, yeah, okay. Damn, yeah. okay, never mind. You, you, you do know your management. But you know what? I, no I do hear your point, you. though. It is kind of hard to, like, recognize some people by face. Because, like, if you told me to pick Troy Weaver out of a lineup, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I would start, man. I actually don't even know. Like, <laughs> that should even be ethnicity-wise, I was like, that could be anybody, man. <laughs> that should be a new uh, All-Star Saturday Ooh, event. That's tough, man. Oh, wow. Anyways, as mentioned, uh, Nick Nurse <laughs> Who and... Who managed for is in, insane. Nick Nurse and a bunch of players speaking, um, speaking today. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll get to some of the players tomorrow, but wanted to focus on Nick's... End of season availability. Uh, one of the main topics that came up, of course, was about his future with the team and the speculation around him going to Houston over the last couple of weeks. So one of the first questions he was asked was, um, you know, he talked about evaluating his future, 10 years with the organization, uh, back in that infamous uh, presser before the Philadelphia game. And he was asked about what that would entail this summer in terms of evaluating his future. And here's what he had to say. My job is is to make the best decisions for this organization. I've always I've always believed that from day one, and I and I still believe that ten years later. That that when you sit back and look at it, you know all the decisions you make have to be for what's best for the organization, right? And I think that we got. Um, a front office or a president in Masai who pa- passionately wants to win. And we got a head coach who passionately wants to win, right? That's, that's why we've always been, been on the same page and have a great level of communication. Like our goals are to win here, and that takes some evaluation on all fronts. So I thought that was, that was interesting, and I was thinking about this too in the context of, of the comments that he's, uh, he made. He could have just said this in Philadelphia. <laughs> This was he a good answer. Take, this was a good answer. Approaches. Yeah. No, I, I do think it's a good answer. I also think that it's it's telling that he said, you know, we, we all have to evaluate that on all fronts, right? Mm-hmm. So I do feel like, and look, listen, this is what happens at the season end press conference. You get much more like to the point. And I don't, I, I'm, I haven't been on the Raptors beat long enough to really understand why. Like, I, I suppose you can't just pull up on Nick Nurse on a Tuesday before they play the Houston Rockets and be like, hey, you know, what do you guys need more out of on your roster, right? Um, but you do get those types of questions, and I do feel like there was opportunities and invitations almost to essentially critique roster construction or at least point out some of the weaknesses. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he didn't necessarily explicitly say all that, but at the same time, I do feel like, you know, it's, it's got to be a two-way street. And and I think that's fair for any coach to say for their team. Like, you can't – like, the coach is like – if the coach is the chef and the GM's job is to, like, you know, provide the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So you can't really make them – cook something that isn't there in the first place. So I, I do hear the frustration from the coach's perspective. For sure. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, him saying that his job is to make the best decision for the organization, mm. too, right? Because to me, that would hint at, you know, him evaluating whether he's the right coach mm-hmm. moving forward, right? Versus just a very straight up of, like, he would like to, you know, continue with his job here. Um, you know, the, the, the line of questioning about his, um, you know, his coaching future and the rumors um, kept coming up. So here's a here's another exchange uh, of Nick uh, addressing some of those rumors. Before the end of the season, Adrian's name came up. Do you think conversations around the coaching staff impacted sort of the last couple of games? Well, I don't think so. I think that that happened last year. I think it happens a lot, right? I think, um, you know, from from my standpoint... I think, well, let's, let's deal with the assistants, first of all, that, that you can get them up here to talk if you want them to talk about their own. But that happens, yeah. that's happened almost every year, right, for 10 years, that 
some assistance getting named for a job. So I think, again, that's part of, part of the territory. And as from my standpoint, like the speculation of whether I was going to be back or not that started, I have no idea where that comes from, right, or, or, what, or what I was supposed to do about that, right? And what I thought was I needed to try to get the team or any of the players or anybody focused back on the job at hand, right, and try to not have to answer that question every game. You know, it started coming, every, you know, it started coming one after another after another, and I was trying to put it to bed and so we could focus on the season. Again, it's part of it, right? I mean, I think it's part of it. There's, there's lots of teams that go through that, and, and um, you've got to handle it the, the way you best see fit, and that's what I tried to do. Yeah, there's another part of this exchange, but I thought this first part of the answer was, um, was interesting. Again, like, you know, Nick talked about that. He had no idea where it came from. Like, you know, he was part of driving that narrative. No, I, I think th- what, 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 what Nick, with his narrative, shouts to Nick at narrative. <laughs> oh, my God. Shouts deep cut. <laughs> yeah, super deep cut. This is for five people listening to the banter pod. But, no, like, I think what Nick really wanted to do here was sort of escape all culpability from this whole scenario. Mm. In fact, in this telling of the situation, it was Nick trying to throw himself to protect the players and to focus from the media who was creating the outside narratives. Because apparently it was asked game after game. Even though we have broken this thing down when this first thing, this happened two weeks ago, the interactions, we can go through this as if it's not public information. Mm-hmm. You uh, literally have a Google Doc called the we Nick have Nurse a, Files. We have a Google Doc called the Nick Nurse <laughs> Files. And uh, we'll see if he gets released because uh, the files will get released. But like, you know, like that all took place. Mm-hmm. So in his telling of the situation, you know, uh, uh, apparently we were peppering him and we were creating this narrative around the team that it distracted from the roster. So Nick was just trying to do what's best for the organization, of course. Of course. Yeah. Unless unless reporters actually push back on this. Well, the, so so the, the exchange continued and it started with uh, Mike Anter, the Toronto Sun, basically asking Nick uh, if he thought, the, you know, the comments that he made in Philadelphia had backfired and this approach had backfired. So here here's the exchange. Do you think that backfired? No. Because, I mean, you kind of opened the, the, the door to all the questions. I did, or you guys on, did? On Friday, <laughs> when you brought it up like that, it opened the door to a lot of this stuff. I'm just wondering, like, do you regret that? Not at all. I mean, I think the door got opened weeks before, right? Because, because anyone, like, I don't think anyone here asked you specifically about your future. And... Well, was it being reported or not being reported? My future. There's one story, as far as I know. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that subject had ever been raised prior to that. And, and, and I, I think that instance in Philly, I think it was a pretty general question. Like, I know the person who asked it, I asked them about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the way you answered it was, I don't know if confusing is the right word, but it kind of allowed some interpretations in terms of well, my my stance my stance on the my relationship with the front office is what I just said earlier. Like, Masai really wants to win. I really want to win. We're driving to try to figure out how to get back to a championship level, right? I think again, our communication is open and honest with each other. I think that's all that I can say there. By the way, um, it's so funny because we actually 
at, as part of the live show, we even did a segment with, with Bobby Webster about essentially PR training, about how to get Bobby better at the PR aspect of it. And one of the ex- examples we used was anytime you get asked a hard question, you can use the Messiah approach and start talking about winning. And the focus is on winning. And <laughs> if you just notice right there, the whole conversation was about Nick and his comments about his future. And all of a sudden, that conversation shifted because Nick started talking about winning. It's, it's a slick move, man. I got to say, if you're not in the press conferences all the time, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand how this game works. But Yeah, so that was Michael Grange Ooh. in the second part of it. Uh, yep. Mike Android asked, asked the initial question in that exchange. Yep. I think it's just, you know, for me, like, I don't have a problem with Nick looking towards, you know, what his job security is beyond his contract for next sure. season yeah, and looking yeah. at other opportunities. It's just that in this particular scenario, this narrative and this storyline was really just not brought to the forefront until he did. That's it. We've, that's we've really done it. this before. Yeah. But like, again, like, he wasn't put on the spot on any of the days leading up to it. One story came out. It was asked generally... You know, hey, your season's been up and down. Where's your head at? And he took it in that direction. And now he's saying that that was to distract from the team. But obviously, you know, um, you know, again, like, how do you think the, the reaction in the locker room was? You know, we're never going to get the players to say on record, like, hey, we were all pissed about it. But, like, what do you think happened in that locker room when that happened? No, for sure. And, you know, generally, Nick talked but about... But okay, yeah, yeah, sure. No, Nick talked about the state of the team. <clears throat> you know, he was asked about the, the team's selfish play and, like, kind of what else they need on the roster. He talked about them having to work on fixing the transition defense during the season, needing more bench production, running the half-court offense yeah, better, yeah. etc. He was also asked if he believes that his message is still getting through, and then he said yes. You know, this I mean, what's whole, he supposed to say? I know, but that's, that's, <laughs> no, that's my question for yeah. you, is that him talking about the team moving forward and then him addressing his future, like, does it change, like, based on what you heard from him today, like, does it change in terms of what you think is going to happen between Nick Nurse and the Raptors? What what he if, said today? No, like based on like based on what you heard from him today, do you think Nick Nurse is going to be back as a head coach next season? I mean, I, I don't think so, but I think that no one really knows what Masai is going to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge caveat that we have to put into this. Like we, you and I might hear things, mm-hmm. but we have not heard it directly from Masai in a complete moment of honesty. We have not even Bobby in this case, which by the way, Bobby does not make that decision. So this would be Masai. So, but even like we haven't heard that from Bobby. We haven't heard it from Nick Nurse on, in a moment of true honesty that he is going to move on or that he wants to move on. So, again, like, all this has to be couched with those statements. And I'm not really sure about the reporting aspect of all of this, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it would be difficult for to get a clear answer out of them, even if they wanted to, to inform these reports in the first place. So, again, all of this is secondhand. So I don't want to say that, like, this is a thing locked in stone because no one would really know that. I'm not even sure Masai knows that. I think he's going to sit down, interact with Nick. Nick was carrying out the, the, the season-ending meetings that he does with the players as they as they leave to to go on their way and you know and and so you know you got to go through that process you got to go through that process with the front office the front office got to check in with nick and they make a decision together right but at the same time what i just didn't like my whole issue with this whole process like you said i, I don't really mind if, if someone wants to look out for their future and figure out where they're going to go next what i do mind is it was at the right time for it was that the right approach did that tangibly help the raptors when he came out and said that before that Philly game where they lost, right? And did that help the Raptors in the rest of the season? Is it helpful that this has become a huge talking point, right? The Toronto media isn't even that aggressive with anything except maybe the Maple Leafs. So, like, we're not here every single day trying to hold this man's feet to the fire. But 
you see the, oh, the, the Otto Porter just heard feet. No, I'm just sorry, no, 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 sorry. He's fine. He's, <laughs> he's, guy, he's this, not nine toes. This guy's the Raptors media of feet. <laughs> oh man, but uh, but like that's not what happens here. But at the same time, he chose that direction. I don't mm-hmm. think it really helped anybody other than him in his reputation. That scenario, and ultimately, when we're looking back on the season, like this is something that's going to be questioned. And so my my whole thing is don't like play it one way and then say it's the other way. Like, it's not that hard to sort of track some of these things out. And I think the other aspect, too, is just, like, you know, it's not like there's been unhappy, you know, five years as head coach or, or 10 years as in the organization. It's been a very happy time, a very successful time. He is the best winning percentage in Raptors history. He's the only championship in the Raptors history. He's helped the Raptors up very great heights, even when he was an assistant. That year, Dwayne Casey won coach of the year. Nick Nurse had a huge part to play in that. He's a phenomenal coach. He's a very, very, you know, smart man. He's got a lot of smart schemes, and honestly, in the scope of history, he's going to be very well-remembered in Toronto. But, like, it's not like there's nothing left here. So, like, even if you are going to exit, can we exit in a, in a, in a, in a peaceful way or in, like, a smooth way, right? So, yeah. that's, all. that's and, all I'm trying to say, man. Yeah, and, and some of the players were also asked about, you know, Nick Nurse's comments and his future with the team. And, you know, he was endorsed by Scotty, who says he loves playing for Nick and he allows um, him to play freely. Uh, Fred said he'd be surprised if Nick wasn't back next year. OG said that Nick's a great coach. Um, but again, yeah. what are they supposed to no, say? No, but this they, is all I'm saying. They're going to come up and um, be like, yeah, actually, I would like to see the I'm coaching. just providing the information. Gotcha. Um, okay. And Pascal said, quote, he's a huge part of who I am as a player. I don't That's know true. what the future exactly holds. I try to focus was, on the present and what's Back when right Dwayne Casey was like, Pascal, go over there, run, rebound, and get, give up the ball. Like, it was Nick Nurse who, who saw that Pascal had all these point forward qualities and was mm-hmm. pushing Dwayne to even bring those forward in the first place. He deserves a lot of credit. Which again, like this is be a even if it is a split, like it should be a happy split. Yeah, I think this, this, this got to be a messy I divorce, think, man. I think above all the PR stuff and like how this messaging has been communicated, I think I think the one thing at least for me is like, listen, I think we're both in agreement that Nick is a great coach, and for me, the decision is just that is Nick the right coach for this team? Um, and I think Nick's put it weighing gonna weigh that as well, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, why he sure. would say what is best for the organization. So I think that's the big decision. Yeah, that like you mentioned, Nick, Masai, Bobby, all these guys have to sit down. But thinking about thinking about the the summer ahead, like I think this is the first domino that has to fall, right? Before draft, free agency, any of that stuff. Before yeah. you start thinking about roster construction, there has to be a clear answer on who the he- head coach is next season. Yeah, no, it's a it's a huge part of this job. Like it's you know it's it's a leadership position. It's a position that I do feel like the Raptors, honestly, more likely they're gonna not change the roster that dramatically. This is my 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 guess at the whole situation. But I do feel like with the right coach or with the right buy-in, I think you can get better results from this group. Yeah. So, you know, that that's that's a key decision. And and obviously there's tons with the roster. We will talk about that tomorrow. We only have one hour today. So Oh, we'll we couldn't get on... to the CBA? You don't want to talk about the You know, there were some CBA questions turn, in the room and, oh, oh, okay. and, and it kind of scared me like DR DeRozan. <laughs> but like, yeah, we will talk more about the players aspect tomorrow. Yes. There's so much to clean up on here, but we will continue to unpack this season. But for now... Uh, I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the program. We'll continue talking about the Raptors, and obviously when the Raptors are done, which they are now, we will then transition to talking about the rest of the NBA playoffs. But, uh, yeah, thanks to producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer Derek Brindell, Jennifer Rolnick for helping on the YouTube stream. See you tomorrow.